he may be in a different place, but he is still Achilles Missouri. I'm Reggie Bailey. This is Books of Pop Culture. Achilles, how you feeling? Hey man, uh, blessed and highly mobile. Uh, <laughs> we're at the uh, we're at the uh, what do they call it? What do they call this thing? Meet the teacher. Meet the yeah, teacher. So yes. we, yeah, we meeting Shucky teacher. Uh, we waiting on them to come on out. Um, but we we excited nonetheless, man. We 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 remote. We remote with the with the show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey man, the show is on wheels today. Stop playing with us, man. Word word. Stop yes, playing yes. with us. Thank you to the fellowship. First and last time viewers, first and last time listeners, everyone in between. Um, you can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We do not take that lightly. So thank you really and truly. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us, like us, follow us, review us, leave a comment, tell folks about us, whether you whispering to a friend or yelling it from a mountain, don't matter. Uh, tell someone that you enjoy what you are listening and or watching, what you're listening to and or watching. If you like us a whole lot after kicking it with us, then join the fellowship, which is our amazing Patreon community, one that Achille and I biasly and objectively believe to be the best in bookish communities. By choosing to join the fellowship and support BAPC, you support the most dynamic of duos in the bookish landscape. You receive access to bonus books of pop culture material every month. You get us one step closer to doing books of pop culture for a living as well. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash books of pop culture. Killy, we have a special guest today. Very yes. special. Guest. It's like a it's like a renaissance yes. today, man. It's like a it renaissance. It is, it is. Yes. A yes. multi-genre theologian who whose work lives at the intersections of beauty, faith, feminism, and culture, giving voice to black women's shared experiences of healing and journeying towards wholeness. She reimagines how faith can be a tool of liberation and transformation for women and girls. She challenges black women to think critically about how they see God, themselves, and the world. She has been named by Sojourners as one of the, quote, 10 Christians shaping the church in 2020. And has written for Essence, Glamour, Griot, The Root, Vice, Shondaland, Madame Noir, and the Me Too movement, among other things. In May of 2016, and this is why this is a renaissance, mm -hmm. she created the Lemonade Syllabus. That's right, the Lemonade yeah. Syllabus. It was Come a hashtag, on. or it is a hashtag, and a social media campaign, which has contributions from over 70 Black women. Okay. The Syllabus is a free downloadable resource of over 250 works centered around the lives of Black women. She also is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Achille, we have Candice Marie Bimbo coming on with us today. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You will hear from her after this quick break. So, Candice, typically right here, I say, you know, I tell the people, oh, Candice, Candice Marie Bimbo is here. But today I'm doing something different because there's something I didn't disclose that I think you should know before you proceed to this, you know, having a conversation with us. Huh? Achille, Achille doesn't like Beyonce. Really? You gotta do that? <laughs> <laughs> One of her? 
Is this guy? <laughs> and um, you know, I, I I probably should have said it like when I reached out to you. I probably should. You should like, have. Oh, should you like, should oh, have. You know, my like we we cool here. Like like you should my man, have. my man is the question guy. Like his questions hit like none other. Oh, However, because now wow. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to bow out. <laughs> What a terrible human being. Don't believe him. I'm going, when I get in my room, all you'll see is Beyonce stuff. There'd be I'm so sitting much here like, stuff. what is going on? Yeah, you know, I, I of course, did not enjoy the leak of, of our queen, uh, of our queen's our album. Queen? And yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, you Thank know, you. Beyonce all the way. Mm-hmm. You didn't even sound convincing. <laughs> I can't. I can put, I can sing and everything. Like put a ring on it is right up there with. Amazing What's the place. name of the song? The put a ring on it song. The yes. Put a, um, uh, what, what the name exactly. Of the song? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, <laughs> what a terrible human. Who, who's gonna be the person to tell Achilles that the song's called Single Ladies? It's not gonna be me. It sure is. Yeah, I knew that. I have this single lady. Yeah, I, I got to. I got to make some notes. We got. We got to do a better betting process. Going oh forward. man. Oh, Does, so I'm sorry. You said you have a co-host, right? Do you and your co-host like Beyonce? Exactly. Like exactly. It's gonna have to wow. be a question. It's gotta be a question. Terrible. I don't hate Beyonce. I just, you know. That's just you just I, think you just think she could be better. No, I just uh, it's just not my cup of tea. That's all. No, I think oh, well, she, Beyonce can sing. Oh, just not to so, me. I okay, so how else. is how is she not her cup? How is she not your cup of tea? I just ain't. You know, it just don't get me. It just you know it don't. You know, I'm more of a I guess a, a hotels guy. You know. Jasmine Sullivan is dope. Hotels is what's my favorite I mean, album in 2021. Yeah, that's just have, you, have, more, you li- you know. have you listened to Summer Renaissance yet? Um, of course. So much. <laughs> all the time. Renaissance, all the time. Um, what's your favorite song from the album? Do you have a your favorite song from the album? All of them, duh. <laughs> Really? All of them? Duh. This is Reggie asked me what's my favorite song out of the Beyonce album. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> oh, All of them. What'd you say? What'd you say? Say, baby. Mm. Church lady? Church of what? Church, church girl. girl. That's the one. Church, That's the church one I binge girl. Yeah, he said church. He was about to say, he's about to say, oh, she got a song in there called The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. Secret right? Lives of Recite. They should have texted me and they got in my mind that that was the song. That's all that is. Yeah. Oh, Yo. this is hilarious. Yeah. I got it. We, I have, I now have a mission and that's to get mm-hmm. you a part of the beehive. Like, hey. like <laughs> it is, like, that is now my mission. Yes. Man. Hey, yes. you before, know before the end of the year, you will be a stan. I'll be. That's oh, right. Wow. Wow. That's before right. the end of the year, you'll be a stan. Yeah. Hey, you know, so, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Listen, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. For, I'm excited. If just in case we didn't make it clear, Candice Marie Bimbo 
is on your airwaves. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm so excited. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And I apologize in advance. Dogs are welcome here. If you if you don't like the most, you hear me? Yes. Hey, listen. If you if you don't like pets, (laughs) all right, you can cut it off. We this is a pet friendly space here. Okay. Yeah. He is. He is. He is doing a lot. So I just want to apologize in advance. Y'all good. No need for apology. So this question is my question. I enjoy asking it a lot. It is very simple. How are you doing genuinely, Candice? Um, and by genuinely, we mean like if you have trapped gas, you can let us know. If it's if it's very hot, you can let us know. Or if you're having, if you're blessed and highly favored, you can let us know. However you're feeling. So how are you doing genuinely? You know what? Thank you for asking me that. So, and I'm going to be honest, it's been a very weird time for me. So um, my grandmother, two days after Mother's Day, had a stroke. Mm -hmm. And um, her health has been extremely precarious since then. She's 87. Um, And, you know, for anyone who's read my book, or who's not following me? They know, you know, this year makes six would make seven years yeah. since I lost my mom. And her her stroke has like unearthed something that like I thought I had worked through. Um, mm-hmm. that is very clear I have not worked through. Um, and so August really for me is like a month where I get I re- I really try to get quiet. And um, because August the 5th is my mother's birthday. Mm -hmm. And August the 5th, ironically, is also my dog's birthday. And I I really believe my mama was trolling me. Like, I was the kid who would not be quiet. Like, I talked all the time. Mm -hmm. And I really think that my mama has, like, is giving me that back in my dog. Because Charlie don't shut up. So, so <laughs> it's been really, it's been really interesting it. to think through like um, what what life looks like and what what um, what is important to me and what I like what what are the big questions that like are around inquiry for me. So like this month. You know, I've been, I'm, I got my books that I'm reading around, like my stuff with my dad and -hmm. thinking that I was okay with that. Um, and not really being as okay with it. And I, and I, and I say that in a very different way. I think that for this season, it Mm -hmm. hits different in different seasons. It didn't necessarily hit the same way in a season where I am confronted with um, mortality in a very different way because of my grandmother's illness. And then what what that means is to, in terms of me as a child, an adult child, um, you know? So like, it's, it, was, it was really interesting because the day was a day where I was like, you know, family can be trifling when people get sick. Yeah. And and that's the ugly part. And I was sitting there today, you know, talking to my uncle because we found out some 
foolishness that some family members have been doing. And, you know, I, I looked up and was like, dang, I wish my mom was here, you know? And so I think um, I'm in that space of like, okay, what does, what does it look like to, to care for me so that I can be my best self in a season that is requiring such vulnerability for me personally, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I think, um, you know, I'm gonna stop there, but I think, um, I'm gonna say this real quick. I think those of us who are creatives, those of us who, um, who, who put a lot of thought into the work that we do and the work that we create, there's a certain level of vulnerability that comes with that. Um, and I've learned that as an author. I've learned that as a writer. And then there's also the the vulnerability that everybody doesn't get, you know what I'm saying? Because it's your own life, right? And so it's like, how do you find the balance to do the work that you're called to do that requires a certain level of vulnerability? And then also care for yourself because once the lights go off, you know, and the camera and the camera is is turned off, you still gotta live with with everything. And so I'm at a place now where I'm trying to figure out what that looks like and what that means. But thank you for yeah for asking. Yeah, that's why that's why we asked it. That was uh that was you know everything. Um and we you know we want folks that that come on the show to have like the space to like you know, be, you know, and, and, and let your hair down, you know, no, no pun intended with the B and because we are all members of the beehive, but we, we definitely <laughs> to everyone, everyone to be comfortable. What was that cough? My gosh, you got <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna have so much fun today. Oh, I man. really, really am. Anytime you say the letter B, man. Yeah, yeah. We should have done a drinking game. Oh man! Uh, Next now, one, we got to do that. Yeah. Next so, we gotta do that. okay. So here's here's there might be a little issue with that. Oh, let her let her down. And, okay. and mm-hmm. I, I'm the square in the in the circle right now. That's okay. Because, because the the only thing I'd be drinking is like non-alcoholic beverages. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's okay. Sugar okay. sugar rushes are just as. I have a friend. Okay. Who, is, who does not drink, right. and her sugar high, yeah, is as crazy as as one of my buzzes. So you're so, fine. So okay, so I just I just thought about this. Uh-huh. So is this so? So are you basically saying like during a drinking game, I could just do like some juice or something like that, and I would maybe kind of like be able to compete with y'all a little bit. So I feel like so I feel like it has got to be if you do a drinking game it's got to be like Mountain Dew Code Red oh, or like, no. like it's got to be like Tahitian treat something that's got like ridic- gotcha. or like Section 8 Kool-Aid like you know what I'm saying like <laughs> Like, right, like right. the one that you gotta like go in there and put the water in because right. they didn't put no water in it. Like right. you gotta, you gotta yeah. do that. You gotta do yeah. that. <laughs> so, basically, so basically, I owe some strongly worded messages to all my folks from college because I missed out on a lot of fun. I never was included in the drinking games. I always had to sit there and just be sober and be like designated driver ish. 
when yeah, I could have been getting like a sugar high with him you and like you know high. I could have simulated the drunkness. You could have had a sugar high. But I, I did though. I did used to simulate like, acting like I was drunk though. And that used to be something they appreciated, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean you could have easily oh, undergrad. <laughs> I, I always when I quit drinking, I mean I'll drink a little wine now. Um, but I always used to um like just pour Sprite because by the time everybody else is done taking shots, they don't know if I'm drinking vodka or not. And so that I is true. And you know, just enjoy myself. And I was the girl who who's drinking undergrad was um, simply lemonade and Everclear. So I didn't even know that you were yeah. still there when yep. you started drinking Sprite because I was barely in my own world. <laughs> <And> Everclear. <laughs> Clear was just man, let me tell you, I was in grad school and I came back from homecoming. I was writing my thesis and we went and we went to the same liquor store that we always went to. And then and the man who owned it was still working there. <laughs> and I went and I was I asked for a bottle of Everclear. This is this is why I do not drink Everclear to this day. He looked at me and he was like, Didn't you graduate? He was like, Do you? <laughs> And he literally asked me, he was like, do you not want more for your life? Wow. And like, all of my friends busted out and started laughing because <laughs> I got red for Phil in the liquor store Yo. and then haven't touched Everclear since. That, that's actually funny you say that because in undergrad, my folks definitely used to like have, they used to stay with the Everclear. Yeah. But, Whenever I got with them after, they did not have it no more. I never really, I never really realized that till now. <laughs> when I tell you, that was my stuff. That was my drink. Yeah, mm. I remember we came together one night. It was late, of course. It was like three or four in the morning, and the fire was lit, and we all promised each other we would not drink Everclear and Taka Vodka ever again in our lives. And I remember, like for real, we had we had the remnants of one of those huge college size. Gallons of taco, uh huh. Build uh -huh. a lot of things out of, and we poured the last corner into that fire, and that was the last time. And so, you know, if you listen to any of those homies, y'all know I better not catch you because you know it was an oath and we made a promise. Yeah, I ain't touched it since. No more ever clear. No more ever clear. Possible episode name right there. <laughs> Uh, for sure, it's it's a it's a strong candidate. It's in right there. Now. It's in <laughs> there. No more ever clear. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. So, your the the answer to our you know first question we asked was was tremendous and genuine. And and by the way, also definitely you know sending you know love and healing energy Thank to you. your family. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, writing. So we always ask this question. Um, at the at the top of the show as well. Um, what and, and let me also say this. I ask in the singular, but feel free to answer with as many of these as you like. What is the most important lesson you've learned about the business of writing? Um, when you Ooh. consider not only you know your book, you know, Red Lip Theology, which we are discussing today, um, but also um, you know, just writing for Essence and for The Root and for Griot and just even, I'll even say this to you too, because, um, you know, I follow you on social media, on Instagram and, you know, you, you are tapped into pop culture, 
right? Yeah. So you're yeah. someone who is, you know, I would consider, I don't know if you would consider yourself this, but I would like a cultural commentator, cultural critic, right? Um, so what would you say is the most important, I guess, lesson you've learned about the business of writing or what are some of the most important lessons you've learned about the business of writing? That is a business. You know, like, I'm going to be honest. When I, I left my PhD program in 2018. And um, that was when I said I was going to be a full-time writer. Like, I was going to lean into full-time writing. Writing is my passion and writing is my love. And it is the one thing that I could do for free for the rest of my life and be content. And it's the one thing that I do every single day. Um, the, but here's the thing. It don't matter that I love it and could do it for free every for the rest of my life because I actually have bills <laughs> that need to get paid. And, um, and I learned that that at some point the love had to make way for sensibility. So um, I needed to get, I needed to have my business straight. Like I'm still learning stuff. I'm still getting business stuff straight from like freelancing it. Like to be able to, um, to say like, if I'm going to take this or if I'm going to write this, it needs to it needs to cover expenses like it and if it can't if it if it can't do that then I'll just put it on my own blog right like I had to I had to be very clear about that I had to get um and I mean shout out to to uh, Disha Filia who um you know we became we became really good people um to each other in real life but she introduced me to my attorney um to and she's like yeah you need one of those <laughs> you know what i'm saying like that it because in addition to doing public facing work i'm also a ghostwriter and a lot of times and i actually i mean we can talk about this later i actually love ghostwriting more than i think i love doing my own stuff but wow. um but what was very interesting was it's very easy for people to take advantage of you mm. um, in that space. And when I didn't have representation, I didn't have anybody come to, to be able to say like, hey, they ain't paid me and I need to get paid. Or someone to say, they lowballed you too much. And you, you know what I'm saying? And so like, there came a time and I think, I think, what is true is that that time was not in the beginning of my career, but there came a time where it was very clear that I was going to need an agent and I was going to need a, um, that I was going to need an attorney. Um, I am blessed because I have an agent for my front facing work, which is everything that has my name on it. And then I have an agent for all of my ghostwriting projects. And then I have an attorney. Um, I found people who were like, look, I'm really strong in this area. This ain't what I do, right? Like instead of, um, you know, the agent that I have now, who is my literary agent, is my second agent. The first agent I had was trying to tell me she was a one-stop shop. And 
she was a hot mess. <laughs> and 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 before things could get off the ground, I was able to see if I stay connected to her, my business is going to be messy and it's going to be tacky. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I know that I have the gift. I know that when I sit down and put pen to paper, I'm going to come out with something, especially if I'm leaning into the truth of what I have to say and 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 the truth and the beauty of my gift. I know that it's going I know that it's going to hit, right? Yeah. But but at the end of the day, I didn't want a situation where nobody wanted to work with me or nobody wanted to deal with me because my business was janky. Yeah. And I wanted longevity. Like I don't I didn't want to be a flash in the pan and that's what I tell that's why I tell sisters now who come up and they um, they say they want to be writers. Great. What what do you need to do and establish now so that when all of the viral moments are over, you still have a lasting career? Like, yeah. you know, we joked in the beginning about Renaissance, but I really think that Black art, Black writing, Black culture is in is in a powerful renaissance moment, right? Where where you got black writers, there are more of us than there have ever been, I mean, period, right? But like the ways that we are writing, and Reggie, we, I think we said this even before we started um, recording live for real, for real for this, but the ways that like our experiences are unapologetically centering black people, right? Um, is is a moment that really can't be denied. And it's a moment that people are longing for. And if you want to be a part of that moment, if you wanna, if you want to benefit from it, you gotta make sure your business is straight. Hmm. And so that's been one of the big like one if 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 I could say anything, that's the biggest lesson I learned that this is a business. And I need to always make sure that my business is taken care of so that I can continue to do what I feel like I've been called to do. Listen, and, you know, both both of your answers to both our beginning questions is like exemplary of why we ask them. Right. Because it's important that people have a space somewhere where they truly say how they're doing. Right. And it's also important, especially you know, since since books are pop culture, I know that's a little self-indulgent. My apologies can resist. But mm-hmm. since they are right, it's important that like, you know, the folk we have on here, like talk about like what the business is about, because, you know, I, I'm sure you probably seen it like last year when not last year, it's probably 2020. I think it was during COVID when, you know, publishing paid me was trending on uh, on Twitter. And we seen, you know, what the black authors were saying on there. And the right. only reason why I ain't talk was because my book was coming out the next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. we didn't talk about that either. Like there was, there were some, you know, I I will be very honest, and and my publishing house knows this. I am incredibly grateful to be at Pink on Random House at Convergent under that imprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very clear to my agent that I wanted a black editor and I was very clear to my agent that I wanted a home, right? So when folks came to us and were interested in the project, like she knew 
this is why it's important to have people who know your business, like, you know, to have your business straight. My agent was able to articulate the dream and the vision just as I could, right? Because she has to be able to advocate and speak in spaces that I couldn't, right? At the same time, I'm grateful that I I'm grateful that I'm in a space and a position at Ping a Random House and at Convergent to be very honest about when I'm disappointed about something, right? To be very honest about like, all right, it's time to talk about book number two. Let's have a conversation about what I how I felt away about certain aspects of what went down with book number one, right? Like let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about how I want you to approach this book and let's talk about how I see you approach and support books written by white women that do the same thing that I do, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, for me, you know, publishing paid me, um, trended at a time where I was just like, I was reading stuff and I was like, I really want to talk, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but I don't need them to email me and be like, oh, something happened, so you getting shelled. I mean, because yeah. that's what, you know, you're a first-time author, you scared, this your new space, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it took others, OGs in the game, folks who would be like, hey, you know, when you're when we start talking money, right, and, and talking money to people that you can trust. And and talking and talking deals and things like it was, you know, very important to me. I was thinking from the beginning and I can share this. I was thinking from the beginning, like, oh, I'm going to get I'm going to get a two book deal and I'm going to be good. Right. Like, like, I want that because in my mind. Again, this is we can talk about this, too. Like there was a certain level of insecurity and fear that I had because I was also coming from still healing from my experience in the academy mm-hmm. that I was thinking if I got a two book deal, then they got to take me for number two, right? Like that they locked in. So it ain't going to be a situation where they come to me and be like, oh, we don't want you, you know, yeah. the yeah. Lord watch, right? And it took somebody coming to me and was like, yeah, like you actually don't want that for your first time around. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, what you mean? And they were like, you know, you really want this first one? Like, and and be very clear, they like they blessed me. I did well. Like they did not, they didn't short your girl. So like, like, like let's start. Um, but and I'm grateful for that. Um, mm-hmm. but what was very interesting was that folks were telling me they were like, no, like let this one stand on its own. You show them what you can do with a debut book. And mm. then you get to come back to the table and say, all right, like, this is what I want. And the beauty has been that Relic Theology has done consistently well in a way that I've been able to say, so not only do I want to do these kind of projects, I want to do these kind of projects too. And they've been like, hey, there's a home for you. <laughs> like, like yeah. we, can, we can work and we can do all of that. Um, and I've been grateful that I've been able to be honest about what I want to do and also be honest about the times that I felt like they, they dropped the ball or disappointed me in, in publicity, or I felt like I was carrying more weight than I should have, you know? And I think that sometimes 
us as Black authors can feel like we are, especially when we're coming out, that we don't, we haven't earned the right to speak to them that way. Like that, you know, that we can't say these things, right? right. And, you know, I guess I took the approach that like, mm, if I'm going to talk all of this about culture and the way that I do, I'm going to bring it into my business too. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to say like, yes, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yes, I'm going to show up to the opportunity. And yes, there are some things that I need done on my behalf that meet the level of the work that I'm doing. And I'm I'm grateful because we're at a moment where so many of us get to command that. And I think about, it's not just for me, but it's for all the ones that's coming behind me, right? It's all the ones that are working alongside of me, right? That like, we get to have these conversations with each other feed off of each other and then create a space where all of us get to eat and eat well. Yeah. Yeah. That um, you said so much that, that just was just has been standing out. Right. Um, I, I think about when we were talking to D uh, D Watkins the other day yeah. um, and the mind state that he was talking about that he had going into uh, his first deal with the cook up. And he was talking about, the way he thought about they were offered him that 450 uh, K um, to write with the white man. But the way he thought about it was, you know, I'll take the, you know, I'll tell them I want to do it by myself. I'll take that 15 bands and then I'll make something shake with that. And hearing you say kind of the same thing, I'm going to get that two book deal um, and then I'm going to be good. Right. And then knowing my own thought process of I'll get, I'm literally, I was thinking the same thing of what I'm working on. And then coming in contact with people like Disha, Robert, KSA, et cetera, who are able to give you that game, say you need that agent, say you need this lawyer, say that you need to just let them have this one and then come back to the table. It's just, it's just such a transformative way of opening gates that, you know, in our culture, you know, your, your book talks about this on, on numerous occasions, yeah. right? In our culture, it's it's sometimes like, well, you know, for instance, to use your book, okay, I'm in the church, so I'm better than the folks that's outside the church, or mm-hmm. I'm in academia, like you were saying, right? Um, and so how intentional they are about trying to get you to believe into that hype of mm-hmm. you're not like those Negroes over there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's just it's just really re- refreshing to hear um, the, about your experience, the Watkins experience, everyone else's experience, and the way that folks in the literary world, the black folks are opening things up for each other. Yeah. You know, I know it can be, it can be, there can be only one, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the beauty of this story too, like when you connect it to D's is that it shows that there's some progress being made already mm-hmm. because the cookup comes out in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. We get, we get red lip theology in 2022. So right. it goes to show, and I'm sure what you're you're probably doing your deals and stuff like in 2019 or 2020. He's probably yeah. doing his deals in about what 2013, 2014. So yeah. in that time frame, we see because one thing that Dia said also is, you know, you get into this business to give back, mm-hmm. right? That's what he was saying. Like at, yeah. after he yeah. gave us that antidote, and it looks like whether it's him or other black authors, some are really yeah. living up to this idea of giving back, and that's good to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you get to, you get to, um, and you should want to have a space 
where who um who you are, who you're becoming, what what opportunities you have are not just for you, right? Like, you know, um I've been I've been blessed to to have to 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 avoid some pitfalls because somebody said don't walk over there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like and and like and I don't wanna out and I gotta do the same thing for somebody that's coming behind me, right? Like it's a hole right there. Don't walk that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think I think that part of part of what makes it so necessary is that writing in and of itself is an isolating practice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was dating someone last year who um, and I had to learn, thanks to my therapist, how to articulate that, right? Because I was saying, you know, I'm I'm lonely. Like I feel, you know, um, and they couldn't get it. Part of it was like I was I was also in the midst of doing edits for um for Red Lip and um and I had never I had never felt that alone before. Um, and I mean, writing a book, like, and no, and, and it's the thing is like, everybody, don't nobody tell you till you done it. And then you sit and you be like, did y'all feel like that? And then everyone want to talk about it then, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was this, it was such a lonely and isolating process. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to explain that to him and, he wanted me to go and find a hobby. And like, I couldn't, and I mean, his whole thing was like, he wanted to fix it. And I was mm-hmm. like, you can't, like you literally cannot fix this because this is what I do, right? Yeah. And yeah. so and so it matters to create community that talks to each other, um, community that lifts each other and community that when you get to peek your head out and breathe for a second, you know, they, they're talking to you and they're sharing with you because it is so isolating and 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 hard and lonely. Yeah. The yeah. writing is, yeah. 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 And um, you know, speaking of community, you had a very uh popular person, I think, in our community, Melissa Harris Perry writes your uh your forward. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. someone who like I'm, I'm like, I mean, not to say Achilles isn't, because Achilles definitely is too. But I'm like, really like book nerdy. So when I say that, what I mean is, I love the intros, I love the prefaces, I love the conclusions, the afterwards, whatever you want to call it, right? I love mm-hmm. all of that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's like especially dope that you know this is the first time your your book releases and it has a forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, usually we see that when a book is re-released. Yeah. So um, I was just curious if you could talk to us about the process of like reaching out to Melissa Harris Perry, kind of asking her to do it um, or just how it came about. And where did the idea come from? Like, yeah, you know, this isn't a re-release, but we're going to put a forward on this now. Yeah. um, Melissa has been um, a constant in my life for many years, navigating the academy. And when I walked away from it, she was like, come here. Like, you know, like she was at Wake Forest and uh, Wake Forest is in my hometown. And um, at one point she was like, when I told her I was leaving, she was like, what you need? Like, you need a job, you need you need somewhere to stay. Like, like 
Like, what's mm-hmm. up? Like, what's, I mean, she was real support and, um, and has always been that for me. And I thought about one, what it meant for me to, um, for me to formally write in this space, to, for me to formally write a book. And I wanted a forward. Like I wanted, I wanted someone to introduce me as an author, to introduce me as a thought leader. And she was, she was the person because she knows me. She knows what, what I, she knows me, and she knows what I'm trying to say, and she knows how important this is. And and so um, I was like, hey. Can you write my forward? And she was like, girl, yeah. Like it was, you know, it was, it was really like that. And so um she got the book. Um, of course, like, I mean, she knew like how I was like rolling with it and what I was thinking. And um, she was like, Oh God, I like it. Like, you know, I was telling her about the format of a face, and like she was like, Oh yeah, got it, da da da. And then when she read it, like, you know, she was like, uh, like sending me messages as she was reading it, like Heffa, like yes, like you know, and that felt good because it's like, all right, like yeah, like when you know, cause cause what people don't also know about her is that like she loves you to life, and she'll also tell you the truth, and so mm-hmm. like I and you want that, right? And so when she was very honest about like this is, she's like. You got you got something. Yeah. You got something yeah. with this one. Yeah. And I, I remember like that was the first time I exhaled. Like mm-hmm. other people had read it and was like, oh, this is amazing. And you know how you are. They they gassing me because they cause it's my first book. Like, and when it flopped, they gonna be like, okay, like I mean it was maybe yeah. you could work <laughs> on this part. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so like, but when she said it, she was like, You got you got something with this one. And I was able to just go. Yeah. You know, Um, but yeah, she, she, Melissa's a jewel. And I felt like if anybody could, if I could have anyone formally introduce me into this space, it had to be her. And I was very clear that, you know, we worked around her schedule and if she couldn't do it, I wasn't going to have a forward, but because of who she who she, who we are to each other. Um, she said yes, and I'm, I will always be grateful. The the snarky conversation with the white boy. <laughs> he asks, "Are you, uh, you know, a black theologian mm-hmm. or a regular theologian?" Is tinged with the assumption that there is somehow a standard, and then there is blackness as far as theology is concerned. Could you talk a little bit about the gulf that his question highlights in his understanding? And the ensuing gulf that must exist in the hegemonic ideal, anyway, of theology. Yeah, so it's so funny because theology writ large is white as hell, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, which is interesting because the early church fathers was African. So, like, I mean, I mean, let's just hey, hey, let's start there, same. but yeah. but. Um, <laughs> But 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 there's this idea, right, that like any serious theological conversation centers the voices of white people and yeah. their and their experiences as dominant, 
mm-hmm. and anything else is left of center, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea that you that left of center could even be your starting place theologically um, means that you're already starting off wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so his 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 question to me one was one that recognized that there's so many of us who are, that this space of black theology, this space of black liberation theology ain't going nowhere, right? Like the black theology is a thing and it's not going anywhere, but he wanted to make sure and be certain of if I was on the right side, right? Mm -hmm. That like, if I was, if I was, if I was going to be someone who would take seriously and respect theological traditions, or if I was going to be somebody who was just doing these niche projects, right? Mm -hmm. And of course it pissed me off because Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I am grateful for my time at Duke because I am able to critique tradition and orthodoxy as saliently as I do because mm-hmm. of the education I got there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it just is what it is, right? Like that is that is orthodoxy and tradition, like that's all day long, that's Duke's bread and butter, right? right. So when when I have to be in classes and read and read white men right and make and make their i know their arguments right i know what they have to say and yet when i go and i'm doing projects and writing that speak to the lived experiences of people who look like me they're not going to be the first people that i walk to and i and i run to cuz i don't have to right like so so that is the beauty of and of the time that I'm in. And like, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I was telling this to my cousin the other day. I said, be grateful and to be thankful that you are in the time that you're in, right? Like, like that there are so many generations of scholars who've done work that I don't ever have to read another white person if I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like how amazing is that? That like yeah. if I act if I don't want to read nobody white. I don't have to. If I don't want to cite nobody white, I don't have to. Like, if I cite you and you're white at this point, it's because I wanted to. Yeah. And then yeah. you sh- you actually should be grateful. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. like, and 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 that's the beauty of the time because I came I came along being able to read James Cone, being able to read Dr. Uh, Reverend Katie King, and being able to read Kelly Brown Douglas. All of these people who had to use the work of white scholars mm-hmm. to make their arguments about our experiences and to make their arguments about why we need specific genres and and discourses to yeah. speak to our our experiences. And so that it's so funny that that moment, and I'm real honest about it, it's what it's what birthed me to say. Hmm. I said it, and in saying it, it makes so much sense for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
you know how you can, you know how like you can say something or you can do something and it's like, yes. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't have all the language for mm. why this feels like home. Mm-hmm. I don't have all the language for why this makes all the sense that it does right now. But yes. And yeah. like, that is what, that's what started it. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to say this and I'm just joking, but this is the, in this joke, I said the most that made the most sense to me. Then what do I, what do I need to do? Right. Mm-hmm. What do I need to, what do I need to be reading? What do I need to be thinking? What kind of theories make sense in this space? And then that is, that's really how you get, that's really how you get the book. Yeah. 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 I was thinking, um, and then I, I'm going to shut up, Reggie. I know I'm doing, I'm, I'm no, I know I said I was going to pretend I was you <laughs> on ball hogging right now. But I was just thinking, like I said, when we answer the last question, I was thinking so much about you as a scholar, right? And then, like you said, walking away from academia, you know, it really doesn't matter because you're so touched by it, right? Even you, you just said uh, saliently, which is something <laughs> that I've heard so many times in my PhD program. And I just, I just think a lot, I was just thinking a lot about how you are like literally constructing knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Um, in, in this book, right? And how it can go, I mean, it's, it's just, it's an amazing piece of work. And I was Thank also you. thinking about what you were saying about being a black theologian um, and, a, and, a, and a black scholar in that way and how you don't have to read in white people if you don't want to. When I was talking to Dante, um, Dante Stewart, he was saying the same thing. He was like, he was like, cause I, I was like, yo, y'all, you, y'all people that's writing, uh, you know, about black theology, y'all got me like wanting to do some more research in church. I didn't know we could do this. He was like, all right, good. First cone, then go here. Cone is good, but you really need to get into womanist theory. Then when yeah. you get in there, you need to go here. He was uh-huh. like, but I want you to go here first because it's just like a good launch point. But he was so excited. Yeah. And I yeah. had no idea all that existed. Man, uh, let me tell you this funny story about Dante. Dante has made it a point. Like, he says it, that he's not reading no, no white men, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, we did a podcast, like, two weeks behind each other. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the host is white. He's a white guy. So he is coming out with a book. So he's like, yeah, he says this to me on the podcast. He's like, yeah, I would love to like send you my book. And I mean, he's he's like a white guy that's trying. And I love reading. So I'm Uh like, yeah, send it to me. And he says, he was like, oh my God, thank you. Because I asked Dante if I could send him his book. And Dante told me he ain't read no more white men. (laughs) So like, I called Dante as soon as I got off the thing. I was like, did you tell this man on his own podcast? Did you? He was like, I did, and I ain't reading. I ain't doing it. Don't even. Don't. Yo. Wow. I told him don't even waste the stamp because I'm not gonna read the book, and he and he meant it. And I mean, like that's. I think that's the beauty of like. I case in point. I'm in. I'm I'm deep. I'm deep in book two, and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm. Man, like, it's so funny how, like, I, like, everybody, so I've said as much. Book two is about love and relationships. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, my editor and my agent and my friends tell me I have to shut up about, like, what specifically, and I'm so excited because I'm so, like, when you get in your stuff, you just, you just be high, yeah. right? Word. But, like, 
I am deep in like reading and theorizing for my own, how I'm constructing my own conversations around love and relationships as it relates to black, young black women of faith. And the, the folks that I'm reading, like, and when I'm, if, if you're white, it's because you had a really dope book (laughs) that I really wanted to read. Like, and I was just like, Oh, I need to read that. But here's the thing. When I'm reading it, these are white folks that realize that they can't do their work without without a nod to mm-hmm. black scholars, queer scholars, right? So it is so it is this cross-sectional work that yeah. even they're realizing that if I'm going to do and speak into this moment, mm-hmm. if I'm going to do any work that 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 is lasting and powerful that it can't just center our experiences right and so it is it is one of the things that i've had to sit with and it, going back to your your second question about the business my agent it, it matters to have people who know you right so my agent and i are having a conversation because and this man, this this might back, loop back the question to question number two because the other thing that I learned about the business of writing is that you got to know who you are, right? Uh-huh. So here's the thing: I get online, I'm seeing all of these people who either put their book out the same year I did or put their first book out a year before me, months before me. They talking about they already working on book four. They already got the contract to book five. Book two is coming out in six months to a year. My first book isn't even out yet, and I'm already feeling like I'm behind, right? Mm -hmm. So then my first book is coming out. I'm feeling like I got to play catch up, right? Because I'm looking, and somebody who literally did their book six months before mine getting ready to have their second book out and then their third one is coming. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, what am I doing, right? So Brother Theology comes out in January. It's April and I'm already having starting to have conversations with my editor about what I want book number two to be. Mm-hmm. May, I'm starting to write stuff. And there's a part of me that's like, I'm tired. <laughs> like, like I just I just wrote a whole book and I yeah. and I'm promoting a book. And I had a call and a conversation with my agent and she said, You're not going to be an every year published writer. She said, because you like to read and you like to spend time crafting mm-hmm. your argument. Yeah. She yeah, said, you took, you took time crafting relic theology. And then she said to me, I love her, my agent, Rochelle Gardner. She said, how disappointing would it be for you to take the time mm-hmm. to craft the argument in your first book and then rush something in your second? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She said, read and read as much as you want to read. Until you until you feel like you've read enough that you can go away and you can write. She yeah. said, We'll figure out 
we'll figure out your your schedule. We'll figure out all of those things. But but you got to get comfortable with realizing what kind of writer you are. And she said the smaller projects that you want to do, like the journals and the gift projects and the gift products. She's like, we can we can stack those in between your major ones. Yeah. She was like, but you are not a a churn a book every year writer. And when she said that, it was again one of those moments where you're like, yeah, like I had to sit and be like, I'm not running a race against them. Like we're all running together. Like like what they have to say into the world and into the space is just as important as what I have to say. And I can't look at them and feel like I'm behind because I'm not, right? Like yeah. I'm actually on track. Like I, I like I actually like spending a month with a book. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, yeah, I like writing writing in the margins. Like I'm old school, so I gotta write a, an actual outline, and then I gotta write my first draft by hand, and then I gotta go to the computer. Like I actually can't sit at a computer and, and just, just freestyle. I can't do yeah. that. God bless everybody who can, but I gotta <laughs> actually like like there's an actual notebook that has the first draft of real theology in it, like because it ha- I have to write everything by hand, right? Yeah. So like I got I'm still the girl that's got index cards that mm. will go and when it's a quote or a paragraph that was dope in a book, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna write that whole quote in on the index card. And file that sucker. And so like that, like that, that is my process. And the moment that I deny that process, because I'm looking at somebody, how some, how many books somebody else is doing or the frequency of somebody else that I'm denying myself the work and I'm denying other people the work. Right. And so that I, I, I know that that was me moving back to what you originally asked me, and I'm so sorry. But no, you're good. You said that it made me think of that. Like you, you can get so excited because it's like I'm finally here, right? Yeah. Like, like this is what I wanted. This is what I prayed for. This is what I worked towards. I'm finally here. Let me figure out how to stay here. So mm-hmm. if staying here is book two, then book three after this, da, 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 da. like, let me, let me do all of that. And I'm so grateful that I had somebody that was like, that ain't even how you work. Like, yeah. That's not like, that's not how you work. And it's okay that you don't work that way. Like you, 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 it takes you some time to craft an argument. And when you craft it, when you come up with it, when you come up with a structure, it's beautiful. She yeah. said, just just let it stay in that space. So yeah. part of it too is the business of writing is realizing who you are and then finding a team that supports that. And I've been grateful that like I told my I sent my editor a list of all the books and music that I'm listening to and was like, this where I'm at. And she said, and and whatever come out of that. It's gonna be fire, <laughs> like, and when and she's like, and when you're ready to send it to me, I'm ready to read it. I'm like, yeah. bet, like, you might not get it until October, and sh- and we're okay with that, you know, like, and I think that that that's part of it is just like, you gotta lean into accepting and honoring who you are in this process, 
and realizing that it is not, it, it will never be a competition. It'll never be a competition. Thank you for, you know, telling us like even more about the business of writing because, you know, ultimately we can't get enough of that here. Yeah. Um, so, so you're, you're 100% with the right crowd. Let me tell you that. Um, and, and, you know, one, one thing you were also talking about, like when, when speaking about like being at Duke was just the language you received from engaging with the work, right? Mm -hmm. Just the work that they provided or the work you get, you know, however I'm supposed to say that. Right. No, no, you got it. And one thing that I noticed and you eventually like spoke on it explicitly in the book, I noticed it immediately was there were no pronouns given to God, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you you talked about how, you know, uh, liberating that was for you and how it expanded your vision of who God is. Mm -hmm. And you also spoke about some resistance. Like, like mm -hmm. one of the more interesting scenes to me is when you mentioned, you know, um, I forget where you say you were off the top of my head, but you were... You were preaching and you didn't use the pronoun. And one of the pastors caught on and kind of pulled you aside and was like, Hey, look, man, you know. Yeah. Like, I was teaching Bible study. You do that shit in school, man. You don't do that. <laughs> you know, listen, you know, I don't know what they teach you over at Duke, but <laughs> here, <laughs> here, this is how this works. God is a man. Like, that literally. And then he was like, you know, maybe this ain't for you. Like, maybe. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> it was so funny. Like, I can't. It's so funny. I can laugh at that now. Uh, my friends were laughing at the time. Um, mm -hmm. I was hot. Because my dream job. It's so crazy. My dream job was um, to be the director of Christian education at a church. Mm. How I thought that was going to fly, I don't know. And, like, my friends, when I would say that in seminary, would just, like, laugh. Because they're like, you are the most, like, rogue person. Like, how was you going to do that? And I was like, yeah, I don't know how I was going to do that. But, yeah, that was the funniest thing. He was like, yeah, let me, let me like, I know, I know what you're doing. Right. Like, some of them might not know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, and we don't do that here. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe you might want to usher. Because you had said God and God's self mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. throughout. And I guess what uh what I wanted to ask is can can you just talk about like and now this might this is gonna turn to what we like to call a questment, because mm -hmm. which is like a combination of a question question mm -hmm. and a statement. Like, can you talk to us about just that process of like ungendering? god right and and what what also comes to mind is you know tony morrison in in, in the pieces i am you know mm -hmm. um she she talked about how like how the black woman's imagination she never looked at being a black woman as a disadvantage mm -hmm. she looked at it as an advantage because the well of the black woman's imagination is endless mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i i know that i can out you know i'm making up a word here i can out imagine yeah. all these you know other folk because i am a black woman yeah. right and i'm wondering about how i guess that plays a part in you ultimately deciding to um ungender god 
Yeah. So it's so funny because a lot of it, um, a lot of it, and I talk about this in the book, right? It was because it was required um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that they were like, look, like we, like, and, 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 and a requirement like that, you know, pushes you in a, pushes you, pushes you to be intentional in a very different way. Um, and kind of like, you know, when I was answering the first question about how something precipitates something else, like um, that level of intentionality caused me to think through some stuff about my dad and my relationship with my father. And ungendering God was necessary because I really like the idea of God being a man anyway. <laughs> because like, you know, God and God and my daddy were homies in a way that I was just like, this is trifling, you know? Um, and so what was, what also was very important to me was that I needed a way to restore a certain level of holiness and majesty to my conversation about God. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, I felt like, it just wasn't there when I get to talk about God and use the same, you know, um, the same pronouns and descriptors that I use for everybody else, right? Like that there had to be something that was sacred um, because I'm talking about God, right? Like that there has to be something for me that was necessary. And ungendering God pushed my imagination, and I think it does this for all of us, to recognize that God is literally so big, <laughs> right? Like that, like that God is so incredibly big, and we have made God incredibly small yeah through the ways that we talk up through language right Mm -hmm. that language because because the truth of the matter is that language is limiting right like as many words as we don't know language is still limiting right and it is it is we don't have to go as far as trying to describe god to recognize how limiting language is when we are trying to describe something that has just taken our breath away and we like, I, I can't even, I can't even put it in the words. Right. Mm-hmm. Or when we so mad and so pissed and we like, I can't even, it ain't words to tell you how, how mad I am at you right now. Like we think that those are just colloquialisms, but what's true is that it's telling us how limiting language is. Right. Yeah. And so what is true is that even in faith, language with its limitations was always trying to grasp and grapple to a God that it could never fully explain, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, how do I honor that this is a limitation? And how do I restore a certain level of majesty and a certain level of, of wonder um, and respect, you know, that like, I I don't want to feel like I'm talking about everybody, 
when yeah. I'm talking about God. And and I think it, it it pushes us also when we're realizing how big God is to recognize how vast creation is, right? Because there's something about he, him for God that places us in a dichotomy, right? Mm-hmm. That Because the opposite of that has to be she, her, right? Um, which is even why I put, like, I talk about it in the book, using she and her for God in the beginning was freeing, right? Mm-hmm. And I still got a I met God, she's black shirt, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I still got it, right? And like, you know, they're like, but at the same time, the other coin of that, the other side of that is a dichotomy and a, and a, and a descriptor that still eliminates so many people, right? And if we're talking about God, I don't believe that God eliminates in that way. And so um, it's just, it, it, it was about an intention of just not just how I wanted to talk about God, but it was an intention about what kind of, what kind of person in faith I wanted to be. What kind of, what kind of theologian do I want to be? What kind of, when I'm talking about faith, when I'm talking about God, I want to make a statement. I want to make a, I want to create a conversation that lifts and that includes, and that if I can't do that, right, with my words, if I can't do that with, with, with conversation, then what, what am I doing, right? Like words are my literal currency, yeah, right? Like, like that is how I sustain myself. So if I can't, if I can't use them to create more life and more space for people, then what am I, what, what's happening here? What's happening here? Man, I, I feel like I need, and I know I have one here. What? A church fan. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I knew he was going to say either church fan or a temple Nah, that's the, you, hey, no, nah, he ain't lying. I, I need a church fan in a, in a real one because it's actually hot the over here. Majesty of <laughs> The majesty, yo. Y'all are funny. Nah, nah. Y'all are funny. Oh, it's just the yeah. yeah, no, and um, th- so I, I will ask you this because I think this is a great follow up for this, right? You mentioned not only in the book, but even in your last, like, um, like your answer, um, you know, your dad being, you know, God's homeboy, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that part. I wanted to ask you now, you know, do you feel like you are God's home girl? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am, I am, I am as much, and this is this is something that I had to 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 accept about myself. I am as much beloved of and by God as my father is, mm-hmm. and um. You know, I think that, you know, and I I forget how I said in the book, but, you know, God holds my dad accountable for being absent. 
in my life just as God holds me accountable for stuff that I did that I was not supposed to do. And like, there's not this hierarchy, you know? Um, I am not wedded to a hierarchy. Some people are, right? Um, You know, I am somebody who, I peaced out hell a long time ago. And and so my, my theological framework does not have hell. It has a fully redeemed creation. Um, and so in that, right, um, my father is present, you know, now I'm, (laughs) this might be my petty side, but just as God is big, heaven is big too. Mm -hmm. So that nigga's house is on the south side and mine is probably going to be on the east side, right? Like we ain't got it when, when, whatever grocery store is in public, in in heaven, we ain't got to see each other. You know what I'm saying? We're gold, but he is gold. Exactly. 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 His is still is very much Atlanta streets that yeah. don't get fixed mm-hmm. when they're supposed to get fixed, right? Word, word, word. <laughs> like so, like it is. It is. It is the the truth of my experience that I had to come to that like God loves both of us, mm-hmm. and you know. Um, one of the things, because um, now he might, he might, he might be like, don't write about me again. But like, um, I've been, I have been digging into um, that relationship even more. Um, this, um, for this book, for the second book, because I did not realize how much in my quest to prove that my dad's that my dad's absence did not impact my ability to achieve i did not and 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 did not make room to be honest about the ways that his absence did impact me yeah um and I think that we gotta be honest about that, right? That like, yeah, like it it was I am it's some stuff that I, I I'm literally in relationships having to work through because he wasn't there, right? And or I'm having to work and or I'm having to work through it because I resent that he is not here and was yeah. not there, right? And so there is as much grace for me as I'm figuring that out in relationship as is grace for him. Mm-hmm. And that is the part that like when when you want when you let go of this like vengeful God that only blesses you and doesn't bless your haters, mm-hmm. like like when you let go of that then you create so much more healthy space and room mm. to deal with who, to deal with a very divine being that loves us all, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and I can't, I can't spend my time, you know, thinking about like, okay, like, is he listening to God when God is like, you need, you should be a better dad or you should be a present dad. Cause it's taking all my time to listen when God be like, man, you know, good dog and well, I told you to go left. Yeah. 
I literally said go left and you kept going straight. Like, why are we here? You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 and and I think that getting into a point where my relationship as being very comfortable as God's homegirl, being very comfortable being able to pray and be like, God, this is some bull. You know, um, being being able to to be okay with sometimes my prayers are just tears, right? Yeah. And that like I know that those get answered, um, but that work it took a lot of work to get there, and in getting there, I had to be very honest about the other side of that, and and that and being very clear. Even as I have written and I'm and I'm like writing here and I and I hope, you know, he wasn't too happy about, you know, but I if you you know, if you if you if you do write about people, then you ain't gotta worry about how they talk about you. I hope that people saw that I wasn't trying to attack him, but I was really trying to like grapple with an absence that should not have been, right? Yeah. And even and even in even in this even in the pieces that I'm writing for this next book, like having space for us sisters who did not grow up with our fathers, or for folks who did not grow up with their fathers, to be able to, um, or parents writ large, because I have a I have a friend who is dealing with it from the other side. It came from his mm-hmm. mom being absent. But to be able to name the emotions and the impact without staying in the space of blame. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and 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 part of that is like, and this is this is why, this is why I mean, hell, this is why books are pop culture, right? Like that that part of this is like. You literally have to write your way free, right? Yeah. Because, like, because sometimes you want to figure out how to do it, and then sometimes you can read a sentence or a paragraph that showed you how somebody else journeyed into doing it, and you like, yeah, yeah, that's how that you know. What I'm saying, and so like, it has been so important for me to take care to with my sentences <laughs> like mm-hmm. i mean you know um like um you know ksa says like the rewrite is the love like that's the work right like that's that shows how you love your people right like that like every sentence i want to take care with it because what i'm trying to show even now in this one is like how do i have this conversation about what i was left with Without standing the fact that you left that you left me with it, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because yeah. like, if I stand the fact that you left me with it, what I'm saying is, or creating the space that if you come, then I don't have it anymore, and that's not true, right? Like, if I stay with the you left me with it, then that leaves you with responsibility to fix something, mm. and I can't leave that to you. We can't leave, like, we can't leave that to the people who, who harmed us, who hurt us. Like, like how we got here is not our fault. It's yeah. not in no way, shape or form. 
our decision to leave or stay is our responsibility, right? And so it has been for me, what does it look like to say, this is where I am. If you grieve the fact that you are the reason I'm here, I get it. And here's the thing, that's your work to do. That ain't my work to do. My work to do is to say, now that I realize that this is where I am and this is what I've been left with, how am I going to heal it so that I can have a healthy path forward? Uh, So every time I order food, um, people say, I'll say, they say, whose name is it in? And I say, Jared, right? Mm -hmm. And then they say, Jerry. And then I say, Jared. And then they say, Jerry. And then I say, J-E-R-I-D. And then they say, J-E-R-I-D. R-R-Y, and I just say, sure. Right. You, win. Yeah. you win. It's Jerry. That's my dad's name. Right. I'm Jared, but right. And so when you were talking about like riding your way free, um, you know, my dad uh left at two. So I was I was messed with Chucky, my son. I was like, well, son, you're 10 now. I'm I'm like, hey, buddy, I'm, woo, you know, I've been here a little been here a little while, you know. <laughs> but um but uh, you know, I, I was I, I was typing that and I was like, maybe that's like the universe or, or God, etc., saying you know, reach out and see and see you know how he's doing, right? Because uh, I've I've we've, I've since let go of that, mm-hmm. uh, like like you said that that vengeance aspect, and I it, I was just thinking that that's just so dope to hear that after I literally had posted that today, um, and um, the other. So then the question here is, because uh, I was, but the other thing that stuck out to me where you were talking about um, how that influenced your your want to achieve and Lord knows, boy, I was like, I'm going to show him that he mm-hmm. lost out. Mm-hmm. Uh, me in all honor classes, I'm going to go get this D and mm-hmm. he got to see it everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so that's just something else that stuck out to me, which leads into if intelligent black folk are the talented 10th, then save black folk were the elect and save children were their inheritance. You went to church to be better than those who didn't, right? Is is one of the sentiments that's here. And I believe this is a viewpoint that is very much still alive mm-hmm. in today's church, right? Uh, I know this because it was uh, live when I was there and I, I taught students just a few months ago who distanced themselves by usage of it from other kids. In a world where we are constantly trying to distance ourselves from modes of thinking like this, what are the pros and cons of it, if, if there are both? And and how did it help and or hinder your growth and your understanding of the world? Ooh, um, so so I I think with pros, I will say this. I there was no other place that I got a sense of identity and worth like I did in church. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was the place where I um, was able to, to really understand who I am and what I was called to do and who I was called to be. Um, I was, I was writing in the church newsletter. I was, um, you know, welcoming the visitors, doing church announcements. So it was so formational to who I was as a budding leader. Um, 
and speaker, like, it, I mean, to the point where what I do now, people who were my, that I grew up with in church are like, we knew you were always going to do this. And so I think that what, when it is done right and when it's done well, church gives kids leadership opportunities and it gives them space to explore talents and giftings mm-hmm. in a way that sometimes school and other spaces don't because it's, it is trying too hard to sculpt Black talent and, and, and Black spirit, right? And so that is why we have needed the church and why we need the church. Um, and I had to be very honest and have to be very honest about the reality that some of us will always be lauded above others simply because we speak well yeah, or simply because we present well or because they can bring us before the church, have us represent the church and we don't embarrass them. They know that our parents raised us right. Um, And that's not fair, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, as a kid, I didn't understand why people didn't bring their kids to church and they only brought them, you know, Easter. And I'd be mad because I'm like, how many Easter eggs for these kids that don't come get to have? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the church Easter egg hunt was the bomb. And they actually, the deacons put money in them sometimes. The money. And I'm like, you don't even come to this church. So why do you get money? Why? Why? Yeah. You know, um, why do they have to be in the Christmas play? Like mm-hmm. they don't even come here in October. Like you know, so it was, it was, it was as a kid, I couldn't understand that. As an adult that is desiring parent, is that desires to be a parent, I cannot say that I would raise my child in church at the same intensity and level that my mother raised me. Yeah. I don't think, I I can't actually say that. Like, I can't actually say that. And I've been thinking about that. Like, what does that mean as far as like social formation and spiritual formation? What does that look like? You know, pretty much your mama gonna be done, wrote all these books about Jesus and be like, girl, we might go on the first and the fourth. Like, that's just it. Because, because I'm a good Baptist, so we got to take communion. Mm-hmm. But that might be the only times you go there, you know. Like, and so, and so, it. I understand it now in a way that I didn't as a child, right? Yeah. That like, there's we were pitted against each other in a way that would make some people be like, "I'm never going back." Yeah, yeah. I'm never going back. You know, <laughs> like. I and I I get that wholeheartedly. And so I think that like part of it is like what how do we mine these spaces for the beauty and the good that they do and that they give us? Yeah. 
And I will never take that away from church. Like I yeah. will never, I am who I am today because of Zion Hill Missionary Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. I'm who I am today because of St. Stephen Missionary Baptist Church. The churches that loved me and poured into me, I am who I am today. And I'm also overcoming some pains and some hurts because of things that I heard in those same spaces, things yeah. I experienced in those same spaces. And so we've got to be very honest about that duality mm-hmm. and and to, to be very clear that all of us don't survive that duality, nor do we want, nor do we have the energy to even pretend anymore. Yeah. Another, another, another word. Um, yeah, right, I keep on coming. So, <laughs> so many things. I was, I was just thinking. My mom always talks about just how angry I looked when I was on the mm-hmm. usher floor. Like I'm in the back, and I'm just fuming at her. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, I, I was like, I can't wait till I get grown. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna have to fan Rosie Henderson when she passed out every Sunday no more. Um. You know, and and you know, Rosie Rosie is gone, and I miss her so dearly. Oh, you know what I mean? But at twelve, I was like, "Here she go! Here it comes! She's gonna pass out, Joe, mm-hmm. my brother. I gotta go up here and get the, you know." But that, for for better or worse, I think I talked about this when I interviewed Dante. Like those are the things that formed me. But mm-hmm. then, like said raising a son, I've been you know conflicted about it's just very difficult to do that again when you know, you know, I might've could have loved Rosie Henderson without being forced, mm-hmm. you know, to be back. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, 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 yeah. and then the other part for me is like, I, I actually like, so, so I, I've, I've talked a lot about, you know, my desire, like, and my journey towards, towards parenting and, and like, pursuing it um by myself and and in it we've had like with my therapist and and in groups we've talked a lot about like parenting styles and things that we want and then and it's and I've had a lot of conversations about faith mm-hmm. and I actually want to create a space that allows my kid to come to know God and, or higher power as they as they see fit. Like yeah. I like I don't want I don't want my kid to be a Christian because they think that that's what they're supposed to be, and that eventually they come to love Jesus. And like, but it like if that's not if that is not the path that of spiritual formation that they feel called and led to, like I want them to be able to find their own and I yeah. want them to I want them to be able to flourish in that because mm. I know that you can right yeah. and like I I don't have this you know repent or you're gonna be in hell ideology and I'm not gonna raise my kids in that right yeah. and so like it matters to me that yeah that they see that their mother is a woman of faith She's a seeker. She believes that spirit is everywhere and that you can pull from all of these different spaces. But also my mom gives me room to think about who God is for me and what spirit can be for me. 
and I think we, if we were, if we were kids and had that, like, how different, you know? I mean, that like, I I think about often, you know. Maybe I didn't need to go to every Wednesday service, Ooh, right? Nice. Maybe 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 I didn't. Maybe as a kid, you didn't have to take me back to second service, right? I get that you felt like church was the the safest place for me to be. I also get that you were a single mom and you didn't have nobody watch me and you were going back. So, but maybe we could have stayed at home and watched TV, right? Like maybe we could have played a game, you know, like, like, like there, like there are other things that I could have done and I don't, and I could have still had a deep reverence and love for God without all of that. So I talk to my friends now who are parents who are who are navigating these questions of like, what does it mean to ensure that we have a that I'm raising my kids to have deep reverence and love for faith and recognize how central it can be to their life without them feeling like I did and be like, oh God, we gotta go to church again. Yeah. You know, like, like we go to church again. And I think that that's the beauty of like where we are now is like we have a lot more, we have a, we have so much more information, we have so much yeah. more knowledge. Our our own lived experiences are technology, right? And like how do, how we employ it to create better than what we had. Like yeah. and I that was that was that was really the guiding premise for why I even wrote Real Theology. It was like, how do I create? How do I make sure that 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 somebody has better than what I had? Right? Yeah. That like that. How do I ensure that their starting questions aren't my starting questions? Right? Mm-hmm. That like, like that. their foundation looks completely different from mine, so they get to take off. And they didn't even got to worry about the insecurities and they don't even have to worry about these kind of questions. Like their extent, their existential questions are blowing my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't even have to start where I did. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like I think that that, that is what, what led me to write Relic Theology and to, and to say like, it matters so much to think about what we got, what was good about what we got, and what could have been better. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a treat. Um, you know, me and my wife have have done some, I think, some really good work in in in, in creating a space. You know, where, you know, I mean, sh- you know, Shucky, me- if if I had meditated around my mama, she would have said. Yeah. That- Neville, it would be. <laughs> I yeah. so you know that that doesn't exist. And that's what I was thinking about when you were just talking, like all those different, um, like phrases, like you know, liars have their place in the fires of hell, mm-hmm. and all these different things mm-hmm. that don't exist here in our house has, like you said, has created this space where his questions about existentialism are huge, and it, yeah, I love answering them because I had those questions. Yes. I, Yes. And I was like, "What are dinosaurs at, Mama? I ain't seen no dinosaurs. In there. I need to see where they at." You know, she like read the read the Bible again, and you know exactly. And, like, and, and you, know, you sit there, you like, 
I mean, I, I, I remember having big questions and sitting in Bible study and my mama being like, girl, you're not going to ask that question. Mm, yeah. like, and you know, like, and I, and like, I think about, I think about the space that I'm creating now that makes and all of us, the ways that we are embracing ancestral veneration. And like, I think about a world, particularly for me and a home that I'm creating where my children would not have met my mother in the physical, mm-hmm. but they would know her, you yeah, know, like that, like that matters to me, right. Yeah. To be able to say that like, no, you made you met your grandma in the spirit. Like you met your grandma in the spirit realm. Like she, yeah. she, she was with you before you came to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, and if you talk to her and you ask her to come, she'll come. Right. Yeah, like yeah. I remember, I remember, when my grandmother first went into the hospital and she had me call one of my friends who um who's a who's a preacher and who is who we call on a lot when we are when we're looking to engage in a specific kind of, of ancestral veneration. And my grandma called her and said, call and tell her to tell her to come and see her in the hospital. And she did. And my grandma told her, she said, call on the ancestors and tell them to come see me. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, ma'am. And they did. And then the next day, my grandma told me her, she saw a mama. She saw, you know, and she was like, and they all told me I'm going to be okay. And they in here and they're, they're looking out for me. And the truth is, is like, you know, I, I always grew up hearing, if you call on them, they'll come. And I want, I don't want my kids to feel like they can't, you know, they can't honor the fact that they can call on their grandma or their yeah. great great grandma, right? Yeah. That I never met. That I, when when I get in the kitchen and I, I have one of her pots that my grandmother gave me, and I and I cook my greens in that pot, yeah. and I and I call on her, right? And I ask mm-hmm. her, I ask my grandma Louise to come and see about me. I ask her to come and see about me and talk to me, and I feel her, right? Yeah. And like, and I want I. I think about what how beautiful that is for young black kids to to honor that they are a part of a continuum of time, Mm -hmm. right? Like like that. Like sometimes when I write, like I like not even sometimes that has become a ritual for me. That like I ask them to come and sit with me because the truth is is that. You know, I I got this imagery from from one of my professors, Jay Cameron Carter, because he would say he had his daughters on one shoulder and his grandmother on the other shoulder. And what he wrote, like he, if he if he couldn't write a world that made sense for them, then he can't write. Mm. And that was me. That was like my grandma is on one shoulder and my mama. And my kids who are not yet here. Yeah. And if I cannot write a world that makes sense of all of our experiences, then what am I doing? Right. And so part of my writing ritual is that whatever whatever I'm writing, I have had I've asked them, whatever, whichever one of y'all that that is as near to this experience that I'm writing, come sit with me. I don't know. I don't know your experiences because I wasn't there. 
But you know what I'm trying to write. And you know how to help me make it clear. So whichever one of my ancestors has an experience that is nearest to what I'm writing about, just be come, come and sit with me. Come right. and, I'm I moved I moved my candles my candle station into my office because before it wasn't it wasn't by where I was writing, and mm-hmm. it's it's by where I'm writing. My white candle is lit when I'm writing because I need I need them. Yeah, and. And I didn't realize how much of that was a part of my writing process until I let myself sit and be like, oh no, like this, this, this is you. This makes sense yeah. to you. Like, you know, it's it ain't gonna make sense to everybody, right? Like, right. you know, my writing style, my writing time, I, I tell people all the time, I know when. I am supposed to write because the the magic hours like 11 p.m. to like 4 a.m. they call me. Yeah, yeah. Like when I can't go to sleep, they call me, and I know and I know those hours. Like and 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 people don't get it when they not like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was dating somebody. He was like, "What are you? What are you doing?" I'm like, "I I have to honor when they call me, right?" Yeah. Like. These magic hours, and that's what I call them, like, and they're yeah. sacred. And I know when it, when, when it's time for me to write, and when it's time for me to, to lean in. And I found myself calling them in, and I had the honor that that was something that I would have been doing as a kid. They were always yeah. with me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They were always with me. They were and I and and I, I'm grateful for the ways that I had a family and certain people in the family who were intuitive in that space. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, like when you had a certain gifting, they would put you with the person that, you know, had mm-hmm. that kind of thing so they picked it. So I was really grateful in that way. But I've been like, how do like as much as it shows up in my in my personal life? It's been as as integral in my professional life. I can't. It it is a part of my writing ritual. So it has to be a part of the life that I create for for a family as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know my thing, Reggie. The ancestors guide me always and always. Oh, I, I yes. It, uh, it's on my thing. It's it's on my merch. Uh, and uh, it's in one of my poems I wrote in, in uh, the book we self-published. Uh, they put wings on the ancestors and started calling them angels. But I still know with mm. whom I speak, you know. Mm. Uh, and so I keep, mm. you know, I keep, mm. I keep that with me because it's like mm. somehow we all know that so intuitively, um, you know. And we've had that cut off. And I, I built what's her name? Um, I built like I keep my granddaddy right here. Uh, when I do when I do this, yeah. I'm it's always right. He's he's right there. My grandmother is over there, um, and you know, I get that from. I started first time I talked to Disha because she had her her thing was behind her, mm-hmm. uh, and she mentioned it in passing, and I was like, okay, yeah, I need to like you said, I need to get it closer to where I do my work, mm-hmm. and um, that's just. When when that came to me, because Robert Jones Jr. calls them the witching hours. It's like mm-hmm. I went and I, I, I researched it. It, it. It's just like that perfect time where they get to kind of just be. And so when it's, that line came, ooh. 
I was I was like, oh yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's it is it's something like and I and I I I wish I don't know. I was telling somebody, I said I wish that we could do something. I, I was like, I don't even know. I, I don't even know if I, I tell them I said a virtual thing, I don't think it's it. But a conversation that black writers have about those time those hours Ooh. and that time. Yeah. Because it's so, like like I I remember being sleep and something as clear as like I'm talking to you, I was like, wake up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, and I remember I would start by like I would keep a, a journal by my bed and I would start like right and I have one on my I keep I use Evernote on my phone, like yeah. I had and I got yeah. a smaller journal in my purse. But then it became a point where that wasn't enough and I had to get in I had to go to my writing space and yeah. I had to sit there and I had to like that that there's something about those hours, there's something about that time. And that's something about how they come and they sit with us in that time, in that way, um, and and we get to hear from them. And yeah, like yeah. it's been it's been very different as I'm as I'm as I'm in the midst of book two, because again you get you have the knowledge that you didn't have with book one, right? And so mm-hmm. like it's been important for me to sit and be like, all right, what is it that I need that I didn't have this first time um, that is helping me with it? And that was one of the things like, I gotta, I got to like, I I have to engage and honor the spiritual practice of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that looks very different than, that I can't always put in words, but yeah. I know when I'm being called that way. I know when, you know, I, it's a certain it's a certain thing that I have water that I drink my water out of when I'm writing. It's the same thing with my space has to look a certain way, right? Okay. That they, you know, I I told y'all I write by hand. I only type on Fridays. Mm. Like I only type on Fridays. Like yeah. I save everything and I type at the end of the week. But I'm writing and writing in notebooks and in journals, and then I come and I sit at the like. So it, it was about, and has also been about creating the spiritual practice of yeah. writing and honoring that they sit with me in that. And like, you know, I I, I, I could go on there all day, but like the fact that I've had to, I've had to, to appreciate and embrace that this is a manifestation of a gift that has been in my family, right? Yeah. So like, my mother was a writer. My grandmother writes plays. She wrote plays at the church and she wrote um, Sunday school literature and she wrote vacation Bible school stuff. And so I knew it from them. Mm-hmm. So I know that it didn't just start with my grandma, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. like I knew that it come. And then I found out my daddy wrote poetry. So like he wrote, Damn. he wrote my mama something and he was like, you want to read it? I was like, no, because it's probably... Okay, whatever it was, it was a lie. You <laughs> <laughs> looked at me like, "What well, damn?" I was trying to <laughs> here. I was. Trying I, was to like, I was trying to connect with you. I was like, "Whatever you tell my mom, it was a lie." So no, I don't want to read it. And he was like, yeah. okay. 
But even still honoring that, like, I just thought that the gift leaned from that side of my family, uh -huh. right? Yeah. I didn't realize that it came from, from his side of the family. And I had to embrace the fact that when I asked the ancestors to come and sit with me, it's something that's coming through from that line that I don't yeah. know, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. that, 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 that are holding me up because I'm a part of their lineage and their legacy and their bloodline too. And so realizing that what I do is a manifestation of, of the gifts from people that I never met. The gifts from somebody that that did not have the ability or the capacity to be the kind of father for me that I needed, but even still has been able to contribute to my life yeah, yeah, yeah. through this gift in a way that I can't ever thank him and I can't ever I can't ever articulate how necessary. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and that's just how 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 all of this works and it comes full circle that I'm not just a writer because I've always wanted to write like yeah. I'm a writer because I was chosen to be one yeah wow. you know what I'm saying like like I believe that we are all given gifts that help us in a specific time to do a specific work Mine just happens to be this one, right? right? But it came through two lines of people and that that came to make me. And I get to stand in this trajectory of other amazing Black authors and writers whose work has blessed me. And I stand on their shoulders and there's going to be some that stand on mine, right? But like, we all get to do this kind of, we all have something to do. And it's just been humbling that this is my something to do. You know, like it, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. You know. another, another word, you know, it, another word. I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking I should save this, but um, it met. And so when you, when we talk about those witching hours, right. And hopefully, um, me and Reggie are cool enough to be invited to whenever you have them. <laughs> yeah, I was low key trying to throw that out there so y'all could. Uh... I was thinking about it, but I didn't want to take your idea, you know. No, but... like y'all make sure y'all invite me, but I was kind of like, I was alley ooping that. So yeah, that, like, y'all hey, but... could, you know. But, but and so too, to, to give more credence, like, to give more, you know, credibility to this idea of reshaping spirituality for these kids, right? Uh, imagine if we knew why we were up. Like I stayed up until two, three, four, all my life. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if we knew why we were up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you talk yeah. about these gifts that that people yeah. that all of us have, right? When you mm -hmm. when you're thinking about one one of the reasons I put I made this decision to put Achilles Missouri in my um as a as a name when I was reading Asada's book. She talked about uh, Asada's book and studying Asada. She talked about how when 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 different different spiritual groups in, in Africa would name a child, they would wait to see what ancestor showed up. Mm -hmm. And so for a while the baby was just the baby. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, mm -hmm. so when I come up with a name, I need to like meditate 
mm-hmm. on what I wanted to mean and what I wanted to mm-hmm. do for me. So I went into this deep like meditation timeline and the killing Missouri came to me, which is a beautiful mind in Kiswahili, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I chose it, I started that that trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when I chose it, um, there's a there's a thing over there in my painting. I, I mean, I wasn't doing nothing. Then mm-hmm. we build, I build a black man reading. Here mm-hmm. we are now, books of pop culture, etc. You grow into that, you know. But again, imagine if we knew why we were up. If I'd have known yeah. I had this option at six, and I'm up at four, and my mom comes in and she catches me playing with my Ghostbuster toy because I'm just up. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. went to bed six hours ago. Yeah, you know, even if she was like, "Who, who, who you playing with?" Mm-hmm. You know that, that yo. When you know I tell you all the times I got in trouble for reading a book yeah. in bed for playing with my Barbie dolls, I'm just up talking to my teddy bear Coco, having mm-hmm. these kind of like I'm just I'm just up. And yeah. now I was so much so I had to switch because I was I was I was meeting with my trainer at six a.m. in the morning. And I had to switch and move to later at 8.30. And I was like, because I actually need to respect the fact that, like, I would have just been up. And, like, it's okay for me not to be trying to rush, you know, to, like, I need to rest. Like, I just was with them. Like, and it was, and I I had, and I just did a lot of work writing. Mm -hmm. And, like, if I need to sleep for, like, four hours before we, before I have you, let you run me around this doggone gym, like, I'm I'm a rest, right? right. But, like, it was, it was, it was even that in me taking seriously. And I'll tell y'all this. This is the first year that I've been able to, like, I mean, and because, I mean, part of it is because the book is out. But, like, sitting with the fact that I'm a writer. Yeah, like yeah. like that I'm a writer and like my life is about writing, right? So like yeah. right before I, was, I came on with y'all, my computer, I got an iMac and it I have an iMac and I have a MacBook that but I've I'm I'm weird too. Like we often need, I know we don't have time to talk about that, but like I can't edit and write in the same place. <laughs> so yeah. like I like it's like I I write here, mm-hmm. but then I gotta go and print it off, and then edit somewhere else because I can't edit and write in the same place. It's just it's it's no, it ain't weird. It's me. So That's like weird. I'm not even gonna say it's weird. Like it's just my thing. So yeah. like my my computer is is slow. Like it just it's just getting slow. And so yeah. my uncle was like. You're a writer. Like, you don't need a slow computer. So you need to write down the specs of your computer and call and see how much it's going to cost for you to upgrade to everything as fast as it can. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, 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 I don't have, like, this is, this is actually what I do. So investing in this is okay. Right? Like, I'm a writer. I need to adjust things and my life to accommodate that this is what I do. I've had to recognize the seasons that are different from me. When I'm writing, I can, I can be very tunnel vision and I might need you to be like, Hey, like it's a, it's a whole world out here. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out for an hour. (laughs) I'm gonna come out for an hour. 
But like, I need somebody and I need people that recognize and honor that that is what I do. And it took, it was just really this year that I was like, I'm a writer. And if this is my occupation, then I need things to like my life and everything around it needs to reflect that. And like, I don't need no janky desktop printer. Like, let me go on ahead and get the laser jet with the toner and not, not just the cartridges, but the toner that costs a little bit more. And I'm like, but it can spit out, you know, 90 pages a minute. Like, and I, and let me just go ahead and buy these pens in bulk. And it, like, you know, it's, it's the things that like, if you, I, I tell people all the time, if you are a writer and you name it, that's what you do, then you gotta, you gotta do it. And that's not just sitting, that's not just sitting down and writing. It's all of the other stuff that you need to have prepared so that when you do sit down and write, you're not stressed. You yeah. can do what you are, like. It's everything else that you got to do to sit down. The world might think that all we do is get to a computer and just <laughs> and hit right. That's But we know the truth. Yeah, yeah. I'll do more than that. Yeah, We yeah. know the truth. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, you know, you, you, you a writer. You a, uh, you a theologian. I realize I said it wrong in the introduction, but you know, I learned from y'all to theologian. <laughs> you know, you know co- I didn't coach. know what you said. I thought you said theologian. I, I think was, I might have got it wrong. I think it was I theological have. something, but the, I, theological. You know, oh, I didn't hear it. I thought you AJ said theologian. The, 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 theologicism. Remember AJ Burdell said when people learn a word through reading. Yeah. yeah. So theologicality. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, the, we knew the, we knew genres. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just you know, I, I might have said Logic Theo, I, I probably just butch, butchered it all crazy, but yeah, you you are also a womanist, and mm-hmm. you know, you you spoke about this in the book, um, and you also thought that your you thought that your status as a womanist was under uh fire at one point. Um, and I, I want to ask this because I, I just didn't agree. Okay. I didn't agree. Okay. So you thought that your status as a womanist was under fire because of a certain relationship that you were in. I was, I was, I was having an affair with the Mary. Okay. <laughs> there we go. You said <laughs> I did. All right. You know, no worries. No worries. There it is. It's all out there for you now. All right. Uh-huh. And when so you give so much grace in the book to people. So much. And when when you spoke about that, I just was like, I don't think she's giving herself enough grace here. I don't understand how you know, just because you happen to be, you know, dealing with a married man for a certain part of time, how that negates the fact that you are a woman is it, it it was almost like okay this this one thing that i'm doing that is a you know mistake we'll say right um just takes away every, all the other work that i'm doing which i thought was like you know good work right um I'm, I'm just curious if you still feel that way now like i know when you write a book you know it takes a while for a book to come out 
So I'm, I'm curious if you still feel like during that time frame, you were not a womanist. Um, no, I think, I think what, what it was, was that I did, and I still do believe that at the time I was not um, being authentic to what I was portraying. Like, gotcha. you know, um, because, because I think that the truth is, is like, you can't be doing all of this, like, you know, rah, rah, rah for the people, for the sisters, and you are actively like working to destroy, um, and here's the thing, I, it's it's not like I was just like actively like, you know, menacing to to destroy this this other woman's life, but my actions were harmful and my actions were were destructive in that respect in that regard, and so there was a level of inauthenticity um, that that I had that was wrong, and so part of where I am now is you know, of course, several things can be true at one time. And we are not, we're never the worst thing we're done, we've done. We're also never the best thing we've done, right? Like we, 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 we're we, all the things <laughs> that we do. Yeah. Um, and, and so what does it mean in light of that to make decisions that reflect, reflect that, right? And that was part of the reason why I put the, I put the story um, in the book was like, I wanted, I, one, I, I was like, I can't hold the church accountable in this way and not be honest about the ways that I've had to hold myself accountable. Um, and so I had to tell that truth about me and what I've done and, 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 and those things. And then also, and also what does it mean to look back and have grace for yourself? Like I, like I, I feel like, I feel like I, I had a, I feel like even as I told the truth about our relationship, there was grace for him. Um, yeah. And there was also there was also grace for me. And I'm like, I believe some stuff I probably shouldn't. I not probably I should not have believed, and I made some decisions that I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have made. Um, and I'm not there anymore. Um, so what does it look like? to to honor growth right and so you know like i i joked in there like yeah i got my feminist card back because i'm like yeah i'm not i'm not doing that kind of stuff anymore but i do hold that there's something inauthentic about being public one way and then being in private a different way and that was what I was doing. I was that I had a level of inauthenticity that just that was just foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, we got we. And I think, and I mean, I think the beauty yeah. though that's yeah. different, which is why I try to have I have a lot of grace in a in a way that I didn't have before, is yeah. that I got to tell this right. Some people's stuff gets exposed. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and like, and when you get exposed, you don't you don't get to tell it in a way that like, cause you got exposed, and yeah. so I got to I got to share the story, right? Like some other people, the story the story gets shared for them, right? Yeah. And so for me, it was like 
in telling this, what do I what do I learn? And I do I do reckon with the fact of of being authenticity while I also mitigate it with the factors of being in love and and how that love and that longing can make you that when it's unhealthy Mm -hmm. um, and when there are other parts of you that have not been healed that make you do some things that a healed version of you would not do. And so I've had to be in a space where I can say that was not a healed version of me. And that's okay to say that. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't a healed version of me. Like wish them well, wish them well. I probably still wouldn't speak to my five song today, but like, you know, like, but, but that was a, that was not a healed version of me. And, and the healed version of me can look back with accountability and with grace to say, all right, this is what was going on. And this is what needs not never need to happen again. (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll just say if, in the event you were exposed, I would have had your back. I don't know if that's, you know, I, I don't know, it. I don't know if I that's, it. you know, because I'm a cis man and you know all this and that, right? But I would have been like, listen, y'all, that ain't none of her business. And she's still doing good work. Y'all still, she's still motivating y'all with real words. <laughs> you know, you know I, and I thought about it. I would have just owned it. Like, I mean, that's the truth of the matter is, whenever that's one thing that I like, I've learned. You just own stuff, like. Yeah, y'all right. That's me. That's file. Yeah. I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I won't be. On, I won't log on for six months because I think that's about the time that people. When they, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, yeah. And then you like tip your toe back in after six yeah. months to see if they don't forget about it. Like that. I'd be like, you okay? This back. Yeah, she back. Yo, how you been since the last time? Since we was talking about that thing. But that's yeah, no, nah, I, I definitely was like, I'm glad to hear, like, you know, you know, you was always a woman that's through and through, man. I think I just yeah. think even when we're like, even when we do things that, you know, quote unquote, we don't want people to know and things that are like not uh acceptable or whatever. Right. I just think, um you know, we, we just. Even in our like elevation, evolution, whatever, we're gonna make mistakes, and yeah, I just think, I just think sometimes, like especially now, and I, I don't gotta get in a soapbox because y'all probably know what it is, but we just so hard on each other when we when we making sometimes regular mistakes. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some people who are like, uh, you know, they need to be um, scolded relentlessly yeah, yeah. for the things that they do for the harm that they cause. So I'm not like saying there aren't some that are deserving but Mm -hmm. sometimes just like common mistakes and just difference of opinion is just like just not received the way it needs to be received and yeah we're not we're in a we're in a really dangerous time right now and um and i i i've actually been trying to like write around it for um and write through it for for this next book because i think that that um, it is, it is a prof- it reflects a profound lack of love, and it reflects a profound lack of grace and compassion and empathy that we have for each other. And like I, and I say that as somebody who is deeply opinionated, 
And I say that as someone who has experienced the pain of the vitriol that people have spewed on me. And I say that as somebody who has not always um, responded or or acted in, in a way that was, um, I, could, I could be a part of the problem too, right? Um, and, I, and I think that where we are, if we don't figure out how to course correct um, and take a beat, like part of this is why, like, if you log on any given day, well, with the exception since the 29th, because everybody's been talking about Renaissance. Um, mm-hmm. Except for a kill, but um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but part of it is part of it is that like it's why you can log on, and it feels like we hate each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like illegitimately, like if you have a difference of opinion, it is almost like we have to destroy each other to prove that you having a difference of opinion was ridiculous. Yeah. Yo, and and the in the the example that I have of this, right? Where mm-hmm. I was like, yo, we've really got to figure this thing out, right? I remember one time Amanda Seals was being like, you know, dragged or whatever because she she gets on and she's like, if you got Jordans and you don't got a passport, then yeah. you know, you you your priorities ain't straight. And yeah. for me, I looked at it like, yo, that's how she feel. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. Because there was definitely a time in my life where I had Jordans and I didn't have a passport. Right. So yeah. I was like, you know what? She might be a little right. Like, I think mm-hmm. I'd rather have a passport than some Jordans. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, people were like really giving it to her. And I'm like, yo, is it that? It's not that serious. It can't be, right? And- yeah, it was. It was a, I remember that moment. And yeah. I, and I, I always feel like is there a way, and, and and Darnell Moore introduced me to this concept of, of not calling people out, but calling them in, right? Yes. And I remember, I was like, is there a way that she could have been called in to say, okay, yeah, the 150 that I spent on these Jordans versus the 150 that I'm gonna spend on this passport, me spending 150 on these Jordans is one time. <laughs> Me spending $150 on a passport requires that I spend some more money to actually use that passport, right? And that there's a certain way that what you're saying now feels a bit classist. Mm-hmm. Like and and how do we how do we inspire and encourage ourselves? to be the best versions of ourselves for whatever season we're in without being without demonizing each other's choices right like i feel like that was an opportunity that that could have happened but yeah. i also feel like we have that opportunity probably like every 45 minutes oh, yeah. to social media cuz something happens and we go at each other and i and and this becomes, I will say this, this is, this is one of the things that made me take, uh, and I don't get it right every time, but that, but that is one of the things that made me take 
my calling and work as a writer so much more important Mm. because I know that people read what I say and I know that the words that I share with people matter. So how do I use words that get us into a moment that honor the moment that we're in that can teach us something, right? Like how do I, even if, even if I have to make very clear that a side needs to be taken. Like when Roe v. Wade was overturned, like there was no, for me, there was, it, it had to be very clear what side, what side mm, of that I was on. 100%. At the same time, how do I use these moments and how do I use my words to call us to a higher account and understanding of ourselves, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's the, like, when I look at, and it's so funny that you, that you, um, that you, that you uh, brought up um, the um, Toni Morrison doc, because when we get off here, I'm going to watch it again, because it just is something about it that just, it, it, it's, that one, it's just something that just do something to me. Um, But like, when I think about her, when I think about, I have every book that Alice Walker has written and published. Uh, it 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 mattered to me like a year and a half ago to walk through every word that she ever wrote and put it in mm-hmm. And then when her journal came out earlier this year, yeah, I came, yeah. I was like, I gotta have it. It's 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 by my bedside. Um, but when I think about her, when I think about Maya Angelou, when I think about Zorna Hurston, when I think when I think about these women, when I think about the fact that I go back and I read. Um, their eyes watching guy every year. I read it annually because it, it matters that much to me to read it. Um, there's a book by Sylvia Winter called The Hills of Braun that, oh, I um, read that so bad. I know what you're talking about. It's when you, far, it's when you read it, when you read it, call me because yeah. like a lot of people don't know about that book, but that book, like when you read it, call me. Yeah. Um, but like, like reading not reading no there's something about the way that like whether they were writing fiction or nonfiction, whether they were doing articles or essays they ensured that the words that they spoke pushed us to an understanding of ourselves that called us higher right yeah and yeah. i'm like that's what I'm supposed to do, right? So like I can't be frivolous in my words, right? Like I can I can play on here, you know, with the best of them and and laugh. I like Twitter is my Twitter is my spot, right? Like I can have fun and I can joke. But when it's time to be serious about the work and about the craft, like your words are supposed to pull us higher. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like like they don't. They don't come. They ain't coming to me. They not coming to us just to like, just just cause, right? Mm-hmm. Like they 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 want to know what's going on in the moment and how they need to show up, and and to be called to show up in a certain kind of way. And as writers, we have to take that seriously. So like, we gotta have our finger on the pulse. I think every writer needs to be a cultural critic, right? Yeah. Like 
Like, we got to know what's going on with the culture. Like, what what the hell are we writing about if we don't? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, like I being a student of culture is how I'm supposed to, it's like, well, like how, if, I, if I'm not, what am I doing? Right? Mm. You know mm. what I'm saying? So, like, books are pop culture because we students of the culture. Like, because... Because that's what we that's what we do, right? So like, and they're coming to us to understand what's happening. So everybody might everybody might look at Nick Cannon getting a a, a somebody sending him a vending machine full of condoms and thinking that that's funny, right? Mm-hmm. But those of us who have our post our finger on the post of of a, of of, the, of culture and the moment and right. We might have to be like, okay, like when y'all finish laughing, let's actually talk about how sick this shit is. Right? Like when when we finish talking, let's talk about how sexist this is. And when we finish laughing, let's talk about how we actually like somebody need to sit down and have a conversation with him because whatever therapist he's working with ain't helping. You know what I'm saying? Because ain't nothing about none of this healthy. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like that's like that's what we do. That's what we do as writers. And how and then how do we look at what's going on with Nick and then and then extrapolate that to be like, all right, put the mirror up to you. Like where mm-hmm. where are the places in you that aren't healthy? Cause he ain't the only one out here being a mess. Like you just mm-hmm. you just ain't got your mess. Your mess ain't 15 kids. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like your mess ain't your mess ain't that and your mess ain't public, you know. Mm-hmm. But like that, that's the work, that's the work that we do. And that's how we take dangerous moments. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I keep, I, I, I keep pulling up this because this is my um, grandma's blanket. But like, I write with it and I read with it because it's like, if we don't have our fingers on the pulse of this moment able to connect it to moments that are past if nothing is new under the sun and and pulling from what they learned and pulling from what they taught us then we don't move forward right like we like they they we not seeing nothing that they haven't seen right yeah. we're not experiencing nothing it just it's just it's just done differently right yes, it's just yeah. it's just got technology in different ways and, mm-hmm. and but 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 ego and insecurity are as old as time right you know what i'm saying the manifestations of them are as old as time right and if we can't if we can't find ways through our words and through the sentences to show that we're on this continuum and to show that, all right, maybe there's some parts in our lines and lineages that didn't get healed before. Mm-hmm. But we got the space and we got the time and we got the opportunity to heal those now. Let's do that work. You know what I'm saying? Like that, mm-hmm. like that's why that's when you look at a moment like this when it's dangerous and when it's so much hate and when there's so much antagonism, it makes you it makes you that more intentional about the fact that words matter and that much intentional about the power of a sentence. <laughs> you know, it's like the power of a sentence. Because that can stop you in your tracks yeah. and make you and make you course correct. A yeah. sentence. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. 
No lies told. No lies told, man. Nah. And um, I um earlier today, Hanif Abdurraqib, shout out to him too. He was he was on with us um back in February. Mm-hmm. He he posted pictures, him showing like photos to his dog. They like laid up whatever like on the ground, and one of his like one of it's like a picture on the wall, and it says, "My lonely is mine." Mm. And I comment on it. I'm like, man, shout Tony Morrison, man. Mm-hmm. Best thing I've seen all day. And mm-hmm. um, just mm-hmm. goes to show it's that sentence. Mm-hmm. That one sentence changing changing a couple lives. Because there's some people who don't know where that come from. It's mm-hmm. their first time seeing that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to think about that. Like, damn, can my lonely mm-hmm. actually be mine? And it absolutely can mm-hmm. be. And it should be. Mm-hmm. You can control yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I, know. I know you've said plenty about this individual. Um, but may, I figure you might have a little bit more to say. Um, you dedicated your book to Miss Deborah Louise Bimbo, who is your mother. Um, is there anything you'd like to say about um, you know this wonderful woman? Oh, um, my mother, and I said it in my I said it in my in dedication because she really is my north star, and um, and today you know coming full circle. So the first question that you asked, um, I um, I just looked up and was just like, ugh, you know, I, I wanted her here, um, wish she was here. And I thought about what she would do in this moment and, um, and what she would want me to do in this moment. Um, I am incredibly blessed to have the mother that I had imperfect, um, faulted herself, full of faults herself, and yet deeply and profoundly loving. What's um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg said when her mother passed, she said that she was, she found this like profound sense of grief because she said, I will never be loved like this again in my life. Mm -hmm. I will never be loved like this again in my life. And I, I, thought that for a very long time. And then I, because like we were talking about the ways that this is a continuum and my mother, though is not in the physical with me, but is ever present in the in the in the spirit and is ever always around me, that my mother would not ever leave me without feeling that kind of love, even if it has to manifest itself in in so many different ways and in so many different people and so many different experiences. And so I get to do life, a life of color and a life of joy because I had a mom who told me that that was possible for me um, and a mom who makes, who continues to make that possible for me through the ways that she continues to be present. And so everything 
that I do is dedicated to her. Everything that I do is is um, is a testament to who who she is and who she who who she who she was and who she is to me. And um, yeah, I it's it's I could not have thought of anybody that was more fitting to be relative to. to to be to have that dedicated to, um, and I made sure her picture. Um, I wanted to hold it in the cover, and then um, and it just didn't it didn't work out. Um, but I actually share that picture often that that um, Kennedy took. But they put her picture on the back cover on the inside flap, and yeah. and yeah, it's just you know um, she just she's. She's just amazing. So, thank yeah. you. Um, I'm always I'm always grateful for her opportunities that I have to talk about her. Um, she probably would have sent me a cease and desist letter to mm. get to get her to get her name out that book. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, she. But I will say, it would have been a different book had she been alive. Mm. Yeah. But she. Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, wondering... it wouldn't even been this book. Because had my mm. mom, if my mom was still alive, I would have went to the academy, finished finished my doctorate. I would have been on a completely different trajectory, and yeah. red lip theology would have been a very much a very academic. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, wow. very academic project. It would not have looked this way. Um, yeah. And in and I and I do believe in a lot of ways that our time together. Um, our quiet in those in those magic hours. My mama gave me permission to write this book, um, but it would have very much. It had she been alive, it would be a very different iteration. Yeah, that is that is very fascinating to me to even yeah. hear you say that. But it makes all the sense, though. You know, yeah. it's not like it's outrageous. It's just like wow, I never even thought. Yeah, of that. it would have mm-hmm. been a bit. I I couldn't have I couldn't have shared. Um, I kind of share what I did in this way, and my—I mean, my life would have just been different. And I think, and I think we—I don't think we talk enough as writers about um, the differences, what leads us in these spaces, yeah. and how, and and how different, you know, these are. Like we always are writing, but when you lean into being a writer and when you have a certain level of transparency that's required, I think we don't talk enough about what how different that is than what we would I would have I would have never been this transparent. Right. Mm-hmm. If she would have read it and you would have had to explain her. Yeah, I was trying to be getting right? tenure and I'm trying to get yeah, right. I'm trying to get yeah. books published by academic press. They come like what is this? Right. You know, it's a completely, it's a completely different, you know. Um, but right. I'm grateful that she gave me that permission, and I'm glad. I'm just glad that it's in the world and folks are rocking with it. Right. Really grateful, as they should be, as they should be. So these these are probably the easiest questions we've asked the entire show. The, okay, the, the series of questions we have. Okay, um, Do you even uh, have to answer this one. I mean, I mean. I, I will just to just to humor her a little bit. Um, what's some good music you've been listening to lately? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> you X-Men, Reggie. And, and, and do you think everyone here has been listening to the music you that know, you've been listening to? Somebody, I would hope everyone was. They said yeah. that it's like what they've been listening to every single mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. You know? Every day. Yep, Man, is. when I tell you, I don't think I listen to anything else since it's come out. Like, Same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pulling it up now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yo, Kelly, you wow. <laughs> yep. He said, mm-hmm, same. Mm-hmm. Alien Pulling superstar, baby. Hey. It's my jam. <laughs> but the funniest part about Kelly is I think that's one of the best songs in history. Like, I, you ain't heard a lick of it, so don't even try it. But like, I think that that's literally one of the greatest songs in of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's alien, alien superstar. Like when you when you think about her trajectory, um, <laughs> the level of stardom, it is alien. It's alien. To even think right. You know? No, that's exactly probably what she was thinking about, like in the studio when she was recording it. It took you a minute to get there. Yeah, I saw saw we, I I saw we was trying to connect all the reasons Mm -hmm. that she she didn't. That was that was that I didn't read, but I gotta Mm -hmm. I gotta get my class participation point. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Plastic off the sofa, you know. Oh man. Yo, man. <laughs> I mean, shout you know, out. You know yeah, it's us. Oh my I'll god! Wild, I'll stop this we is know. hilarious. But I, I will say, I'm inspired. I'm inspired. Yeah. I can't wait to see what 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 people that have been following get in the inspired create. Yeah. yeah, Good good stuff <laughs> makes you create. Even makes you, it inspires yeah. you to do. So I can't wait to see what folks do. After listening to this, it's just been amazing. Yeah, I am looking forward because I know like there's gonna be like some essay collections, probably mm-hmm. some long form articles mm-hmm. where like people, if not, if it won't be like inspired completely by the the mm-hmm. you know Renaissance, they're mm-hmm. at least gonna have there's gonna be like a Renaissance essay like yeah. in. Yeah. And you yeah. know what? Even even beyond that, I'm I'm also inspired to see the ways that folks decide to take their own stuff to the next level. Like, yeah. Yeah. She, like I saw somebody tweet. They said if she did this in quarantine, like lock us back up, like because mm-hmm. yeah. because like the kind like the the way that she was able to put that together and the way that it just was. I'm, I'm I am waiting. And just inspired to see how many people take whatever they're doing yeah. to the next level simply because they were inspired to be like, I just got to get back on my game. Like, I got to yeah. get back on it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah. kind of, it's, it's, she's just, uh, she's amazing. America has a problem. And when you're in a, when you're in a, when you're in a summer renaissance. So, what is, what is that? What is America has a problem about? Um, You know, sometimes when I'm listening to it, I just, I, I get this. I don't know. I think the word, if I had to, if I had to spell it, I would say T H I Q U E. I would say, Yo, nah. I would say, I, I would say, it makes me move. Ergo's groove. You know what I mean? And so, 
know, it breaks my soul that that nothing, that nothing has the energy. And so when I hear it, I cuff it. You know, I, I just I cuff it. I get cozy. You are doing it. You yeah, are doing it. all up in your mind, you guys. Yes. Mind, you know? and, and so yeah, I I I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, I'll just say I'm that girl. I mean, this, this time. I'm that girl. Now I'll just stop there. Word. That's all I have to say. Oh, uh, that hey, he sound like a listener to me. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you, you, you sound like something. <laughs> something. You sound like something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you yeah. got it. That's, yeah. That's so, hilarious. Nah, that was that was a great moment, Achilles. Oh, any any good TV and or film you've been into lately? Well, let me say this. In addition to um, Renaissance, I am because the because the book is love and relationships. I'm creating her. I got my own playlist of old and new school that's soundtracking. Um, I'm doing some fun stuff, and I, I I'm doing fun. So, so I'm I, I'm listening to some old and some new stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm in a a holiday screenwriting class like one of my dreams is to write christmas movies mm. so um I'm, like that is like that's a new muscle that i'm working and i'm um so i'm in this class so i've been reading i've been writing a, i mean watching a lot of christmas movies um one of my favorites is this christmas um will packers this christmas um they had loretta divine and chris brown and mm-hmm. just Elba. Mm-hmm. i love that one um I'm a binger, um, so like I wait until seasons are complete and watch them. Yeah. So there's a show called um, on the CW called All American that yeah. I just love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I finished that one, but I completely forgot that in the middle of the season of All American, they did a spinoff called Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And it's the one about when Simone goes to a HBCU. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just finished that season last night, the first season last night on Netflix, and it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's a cute little show. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I keep up with that. Of course, I've been watching P Valley. Um, yeah. I think they need to win everything this this like next yeah. awards season, like. Mm-hmm. P-Valley needs to win everything because what they are doing in this season is just amazing. Yeah, no, they're doing really good work. I've been I've been looking at it too. Because I saw all of that too. Um, you saw all of that too? All yeah, that. all that. I have seen All American. I haven't yeah. I haven't watched any of P Valley yet. But yeah. this uh, se- have you watched have you had you watched first season? Nothing. No. Yeah, I think you will really. I think you will really like it. But this this particular season has just yeah. the commentary of of this season makes me want to watch it. You know, like it is amazing. I, I have to like have like yeah. the stuff I've been seeing people say about it is making me want to go and enjoy it. You know, yeah. they they're doing. I, I mean, and I and again, I I say that they should win the awards not because that gives it any validation because I think our love and our support for it is enough mm-hmm. but yeah. but I do I want them to win because I also want I want the I, I want them to have the recognition within their guild of yeah. what they have been doing and the yeah. kinds of conversations 
the the storylines have just been yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And um any good books you've been reading? Man, so it's so funny because like I got my whole like section of like all the stuff I'm reading in in, um, in June but in I, August. But I picked that up. So I got <laughs> "Ego Is the Way Is the Enemy" yeah. uh, by Ryan Holiday. Yeah. Oh, I see it. I, yeah, yep. It. I so you got the host, and I got I'm doing um, the Way of Integrity um, by Martha Beck. Mm-hmm. The body keeps score. The body mm. keeps the score. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm doing um, adult children of emotionally immature parents. Mm. Um, a homecoming by Tamar Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, Wired for Love: A Neuroscience's Journey Through Romance, Loss, and the Essence of Human Connection. Mm-hmm. Um, Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. Oh, and Sacred Recipes of, of Recipes of Sacred Life um, by Rivenishma. Um, and just spending time, just really trying to dig into, do some shadow work, and really some inner child healing. Um, but that's what that's the books that I actually started. I, and I'm I'm such a nerd. I'm such still in school mode. I wrote a syllabus so that I can make sure that I get through all of all of them next yeah. this month. And so, like, making sure I stay on top of my readings. Tell us who you would like to see as a guest on Books Are Pop Culture. But uh, this person has to be someone who you would be willing to help us connect with in the event that we may need some help getting connected. J. Cameron Carter. Um, I think Sarah Jakes Roberts would be a good, um, a good conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Austin Channing Brown, if you haven't mm-hmm. had Austin. Um, I think those, those were the first three. Man, Brittany, y'all had Brittany Cooper yet? We no. have not. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's my girl. Yeah. yeah that's my girl. Yeah. Okay. Those four are are the ones that came to mind. I like them. All of them are a text away, so just let me. Hey, we will. We will in the event. In the event. In the event. event. We usually try to do a little, you know, little something, something. I get you. Um. So, in the event, you know, someone listening in or viewing doesn't know, like, you know, who you are. You know, maybe this is their first time uh, meeting you. you know where can they follow you? How can they keep up with your your journey? So they can they can go to my website, Candice Benbo, C A N D I C E B N B O W dot com. They can follow me on the Twitters. Oh my God, he's crying. The Twitters and Instagram at Candice Benbo. Um, I am on Facebook, but not for real. Yeah. So um, you can follow me best on Twitter and IG. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, we definitely gonna let you uh, get back to him, but please uh, get your copy of Red Lip Theology. Oh, thank you. It is um, it, it's it's amazing work. Thank um, you. Candace put her all in it. Thank put you. Nail and um, get it from the Books of Pop Culture Bookshop Bookshop.org slash shop slash Books of Pop Culture. 
Um, for Candice, Marie Bimbo, and the Killing Missouri, I'm Reggie Bailey. This has been episode 38 of Books of Pop Culture. Uh, take care.